Well, good morning once again. Thank you guys so much. You have blessed Rachel and I tremendously. It is truly an honor to, to serve as your pastor here. Thank you so much. Our, our hearts are full. We love you guys so, so much. And whether you're joining us online today or you're here in person, we just say thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks for worshiping with us today. So as we get this um, series kicked off, let me start by asking you a question. Would you agree that the Word of God, that the Word of God is filled with, with passages or, or scriptures that we can use to encourage, to comfort, to bring peace, as well as to challenge and correct us? Would you all agree with that? Okay. Would you believe, though, there are many times Christians will use passages or scriptures completely out of context? Believe it or not, they will even say things that they believe to be in the Bible that aren't actually even in there. It's true. Sometimes Christians will even print those sayings or those out-of-context um, scriptures on coffee mugs and declare it as truth. There's a coffee mug down here. It says, what's it say? I didn't put this out here, but it's one here. Hope it's um, nothing bad on here. I know, this is actually pretty good. It says Jesus on it. That's good, right? We wouldn't disagree with that. The only thing I would say is if, if you have a coffee mug like this sitting at your desk at work and this coffee mug is the only thing that connects you to Jesus, you're probably not being a very good witness. So it's, it's got to be... It's got to be more than just something printed on a coffee mug, right? Far too often, we will contribute sayings to the Bible that we've heard someone else say, won't we? Sometimes it's, it may be, maybe it's something we read, not in the Bible, but something we may have read, something that someone tells us, maybe a family member, maybe a friend, maybe a Sunday school teacher, or maybe even a pastor, and when, when they say something, many times they'll also say something like this. The Word tells us, Scripture says, we're told in the Word, Scripture speaks of, they'll say things like that without ever giving a Scripture reference to it, right? See, the problem is far too many times we take things we hear as biblical truth without ever verifying it ourselves. Let me ask you if you heard things like this. Money is the root of all evil. God helps those who help themselves. You can be so heavenly minded, you are of no earthly good. Cleanliness is next to godliness. When a loved one dies, have you ever heard someone say this? Heaven just got another angel. Or someone got their wings. Let me just tell you. Clarence got his wings in, in the, the Christmas movie, but um, that's not what happens to people. What about this? This too shall pass. God will cast all our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Some of these sound good, don't they? But you don't find those anywhere in Scripture. What about this one? God never gives you more than you can bear. You heard that one before? Some of you are like, what? Are you telling me that's not in the Bible? We've all heard it. Many of us have said it. 
oftentimes quoted at times of trials and suffering, isn't it? Many times after quoting it, you may even hear something like this. If God didn't think you could handle it, he wouldn't have given it to you. And we, we speak it or hear it with such authority and confidence. Yet the problem is you can't find those anywhere in the Bible. Many times we say things that we've heard rather than what is written in the word. And when we get off the mark just a little, it changes the meaning completely. These, these, these sayings, as well as scripture taken out of context, sound really good and it looks nice printed on a coffee mug. However, it's not enough to take a, it's not enough to take a place um, or to place a verse out of context on a coffee mug if we don't understand its context. But if, if we just simply take a verse and put it on a mug and say, this is my life verse, but it completely is out of the context of what it was written in, it does you no good at all. And over these next few weeks, we're going to look at some, like, one familiar verse or one familiar saying each, each week, and hopefully we'll gain a better understanding of the verse actually in context, or maybe why repeating a saying that we claim to be the word that's not in the word might actually do more harm than good. Now, some of you are sitting there still thinking, I know those are in the Bible. You probably are looking on Google right now. I promise you. You're not going to find them. They are not in there. While you may find similar sayings, you won't find any of the ones that I just mentioned. For instance, the, the love of our uh, money is the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say, it doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It's your love and your desire for it is what is, what is evil. Now, in regards to, to God will not put more on you than what you can bear, you need to know there's a similar verse found in, in the Word of God. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and it says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And some of you are like, see, right there, there it is, it says it. No, it doesn't. That's not what it says. It does not say God will not give you more than what you can bear. In his letter to the church at Corinth, Paul is conveying to the church that they are not going to be overtaken by temptation. Not that they wouldn't face temptation, but that they wouldn't be overtaken by it. That it wouldn't be so great and unique to them that they're overcome by it. They face temptation, yes. They face temptations that all men have faced. In addition, Paul is also reminding them that God will provide a way of escape from the temptation. This is way different, though, than saying God will not put more on you than you can bear. Or, or different than saying, um, you're, God's saying you're not going to face struggle or, or trials or sorrow or, or problem that you can't handle on your own. See, when, when we say God won't put more on you than you can bear, what we are doing is we're taking the focus off of God and we're putting it on ourselves. We're saying my strength is sufficient. 
my, my ability can make it happen. That's, that's different, though, than what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, isn't it? Or 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Paul says this, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, speaking of God, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, for most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we say our strength is sufficient, or, or we can bear it on our own, what we are doing there is we're in danger of creating an all-about-me religion. Because you're saying, I can do this. And that's not biblical. If we could do this, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come and die on a cross. We can't do it. This seems to have become a common theme in the world today, though, even within the, the church world where it's all about you and what you can do. Not only is that statement, God will not put on you more than you can bear, not found anywhere in Scripture, the fact is we find many examples in Scripture, probably in our own lives as well, that contradict that statement. Jesus himself in Matthew says this, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you Rest, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is Jesus not here saying, your load, what you're carrying is too much for you to bear? You can't do it. You're trying to carry something you were never meant to carry. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Paul, Paul said we're under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. One version says this, we were weighed down with a load of suffering that was so far beyond our strength. So does that sound like God won't give us more than what we can bear? This was Paul, and he said, we, with a load of suffering that was so far beyond our strength. In other words, it was more than what he could bear. It was more than what he could handle. Over and over throughout Scripture, we see evidence of people saying things like, I can't handle it. It's more than what I can do. Yet oftentimes when we see someone struggling, through a situation, we'll say these nice little words to them. God won't put more on you than what you can bear. You're going to be okay. When you use this statement, when someone's going through a little financial struggle, it may not seem so off-putting. But what about when someone's going through something a little more serious? What about for the parent who maybe just lost a child? What about when a young child loses their parents? What about a child or a spouse who's suffering abuse? What, what about the thousands of children who literally die every day of starvation or some uh, treatable disease? 
What about when, when someone just got a diagnosis of a terminal disease or even worse, when a parent just got the, the, the news, devastating news of their child? That saying doesn't seem so appropriate now, does it? How does it help anyone who just received the most devastating news they could ever get for us to come along and say, God wouldn't put more on you than what you could handle. I can tell you this, if I just got some, some devastating news and someone came along and said, don't worry, God wouldn't put more on you than what you could handle, I'd want to punch them in the face. I ain't saying I would do it, but the thought might cross my mind. As I was preparing for, for today, I, I asked Rachel, I said, what's an example of a time of when the pressure just seemed too much to bear? What, what was the time? She said, when we bought our house. I said, what? <laughs> when we bought our house? That was a good time, right? I said, no, something really tough. What, what was something really, really that was just like too much? She said, no, that was really tough. It was too much. It was, it was 15 years ago. We, we were unhappy with the, the choice of the schools that our, our kids were in, and we begin to talk, and we're like, what do we do? Do we put them in private school? Do we move to a different school district? And we decided, you know, after looking at the finances and things, it would be better for us to invest in another home in a different school district. So we put our house up on, or we did some repairs around the house, put our house up on the market, got an offer right away, and as soon as we did, we signed a contract to build a house, moved into a rental house on the same street that our house was being built, while our other house was pending. Y'all know pending doesn't mean sold. Sure doesn't. <laughs> we had no sooner moved into the rental house than the buyers um, for our house, their financing fell through, and the pressure began to mount. About that same time, the home health agency Rachel was working for cut her hours, so things began to look a little tight. But then we got another offer. The inspection comes back, and the new roof we had just put on didn't meet codes. You see, in, in Nashville, you used to could put three sets of shingles on a house. What I didn't know 15 years ago was just a couple of years before that, they changed the code to two sets of shingles on a house. Guess how many ours had on it? Three, that's right. So the work that we had done, the new roof that we had put on, the, the rental house we were living in, the, the job, the hours that had got cut, the house that was being built, the pressures begin to mount just a little bit. I had no idea really what to do. Our kids were now settled in the new school. Our house that we dreamed about was being built right down the road for us from us. We could see it going up. And my realtor contacted me and she said, here's what you got to do. If you can get a structural engineer to come out and look at this and sign off on it and say it's okay, you'll be all right. So I called around, found one, and they're like, yeah, what you're going to need to do, though, is do this. you got to go up in the attic. It was hot. It was like 90 degrees. In the attic, it's 130. 
They say, what you got to do is go up and on every one of those rafters along there, you're going to have to put a cross, a cross brace in. So I went up and did that. Good weight loss program, by the way. Go into an attic, spend a few hours when it's 130 degrees. Um, so I went, went up, did that, and they signed off on it. And everything, everything worked out. We were able to um, close on that house. And then later on, at the closing of our new house, we had some things come back to us in upgrades and, and things that we didn't even know were going to happen that made more than made up for those, those couple of months we had where we were paying way more than what we ever thought we were going to a, a, a in a month. And we learned some things during that time. During that time, we, we learned that, listen, no matter what, we've got to put our trust in God. No matter what. We learned that worrying didn't add anything but weight. The more we worried, the more weight we had. We also learned, to, learned this, that even during that difficult short season, God was with us every step of the way. That being said, if someone would have come along during that time and said, God doesn't put more on you than what you can handle, it probably wouldn't have went so well. I probably wouldn't have received it very well. First of all, it wouldn't have helped me pay the rent, pay my mortgage, fix the roof, or replace the income that was lost. Second of all, God didn't put it on me. God didn't say, go out and buy a house, rent a house, while your first house hasn't sold. His word actually says in Proverbs that the borrower is slave to the lender. His word actually speaks against what I did. Oftentimes we put a yoke upon ourselves that we were never meant to carry. Sometimes our situations are because of our own actions. Sometimes, though, it has nothing to do with our actions at all, and we really don't have an answer. In either case... Those words, God wouldn't put more on you than what you could bear, don't offer a whole lot of comfort. Sometimes we really don't have an answer that is fitting, do we? Sometimes things, things just don't seem fair. And when that happens, we begin to ask, God, why? Why? This is a question you'll actually see throughout Scripture even. You can go back to Abraham in Genesis 18 when he says, Should not the judge of the world do what is right? In other words, he's saying, God, you should do what's right. This is wrong. Sometimes, though, the religious people, they're, they're there and they're willing and ready to throw in the reason as to why you're in the problem you're in, aren't they? They'll say things like, must be some sin in your life you ain't dealt with. I'm not going to say that sometimes that may not be the case, but what about the fact that we just live in a, in a sinful, fallen world? How about much of the pain, much of the suffering that is endured in this life is simply a result of the fact that we are born into a sinful world? With the sin of Adam and Eve, death entered the world. With the sin of Adam and Eve, sickness entered the world, pain entered the world, curses entered the world. Sometimes our struggle is a direct result, our consequences of our actions. 
like trying to sell a house, buy a house, rent a house, all at the same time. Because sometimes we just do stupid things, don't we? Sometimes we don't have anybody to blame but ourselves. But no matter if, if it's the result of a sinful world we live in, sin in our lives, or the dumb choices we make, the fact is no matter how we got to where we are, God can teach us something in that. Let me just tell you this too. Probably don't tell someone who's going through it. You better just learn what God wants to teach you while you're here in it. They're probably not going to receive that very well either, <laughs> even though they may need to learn something. There's a difference in coming alongside of someone and, and, and praying for them and, and encouraging them and, and helping them know that they're going to make it through it than, than there is in saying, God put this on you. You can handle it. Well-intended Christians sometimes say things like, come to Jesus and all your problems will go away. Y'all know Jesus, right? So none of y'all have any problems, right? I think I've still faced a few difficulties in life after coming to Jesus, and I'm pretty sure most of you have as well. When we begin saying things like that, it sounds really good, but it just ain't true. And we also discredit our witness. Nowhere in Scripture do I read, when you come to Jesus, all your problems will go away. All your sin will be forgiven, but all your problems don't necessarily go away. When you begin saying things that aren't scriptural as being scriptural, and then those people you are witnessing to realize they're not really scriptural, your witness has just been discredited. Everything you begin telling them comes into question. And everything other Christians begin telling them is questioned as well. So am I saying you shouldn't say anything? No. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't just repeat things that you hear as biblical fact as biblical fact. Instead, try doing what the Word says. Love people. Pray for others. Share their burdens. If you can help, help. If you see someone without a coat, don't just say, bless you, and walk away. Get them a coat. Sometimes, you know, people don't really need a clever saying. Sometimes all people need is someone to cry with them. See, the fact is, in, in this life, we face all kinds of struggles we can't bear. Some of you may be in the middle of one right now. Maybe you have a, a loved one who's battling some terrible disease. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost your job or, or, and you have no idea really how you're going to make ends meet. When you're in the middle of it, it feels like your whole world's crashing down around you. And when you're in that moment, what you don't need is a clever saying on a coffee cup. What you need is someone who's willing to wrap their arms around you. What you need is the truth. 
And as easy as it may be to say, God never gives you more than what you can bear. Can I just tell you, there's real danger in saying that. What happens when people really believe that statement? And then they can't live up to it. Don't they begin questioning themselves with things like, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Why can't I handle this? Not, not only does this situation, not only does the situation they're dealing with have them feeling they are crushed, now they have the weight of the guilt that they must somehow be at fault. That they somehow must not be a good enough Christian. That they're somehow failing because they can't handle it. Because you just said, God wouldn't give you more than what you can bear. And they're doing all they can do to take their next breath. Some of you in here today may be feeling it right now. Suffering, dealing with some great struggle. And you've been piled upon that with the additional burden of you should be able to deal with it. How messed up are we when we tell people God wouldn't give you more than what you could bear? You just got to have faith. Or, or maybe your faith isn't strong enough. Or, or maybe it's because of sin in your life. Or, or God helps those who se- helps themselves. And to that I say, are you kidding me? Someone in the middle of what they perceive to be hell on earth, and we're just telling them they need to be a better Christian. Some little saying that goes against what the Word of God says is not what people need when they're going through hell on earth. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 again. For we do not... For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so we were despaired even of life. What does Paul say there? Great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Sounds to me like Paul is saying, this struggle, this thing we're going through, this burden is more than what we can bear. What does he say next in verse number 9? Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Paul says, I thought we were dead. There was no way out. We could not escape. We're finished. This is so much more than what we can handle on our own. In fact, what he says is this burden was greater than anything we could bear so that we could would rely not on ourselves, but that we would rely on God. See, if it was something we could handle, we wouldn't need God. The struggles, the trials you're facing right now, they may not be a test that was sent by God, but listen to me. They're a place where you can encounter God. They're a place that in your weakness, He is made strong. Our trials aren't apart from God, but rather He is right there with us in the midst of our trials. That's why in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of going through absolute hell on earth, sometimes you will sense His presence stronger than any other time in your life. 
Some of you may be like, but Pastor Todd, there's no way he could know my pain. He doesn't know my struggle. I understand that he's God and he sees all, but how can he know, how can he feel what I'm going through? Let me tell you about his pain. God Almighty, Father in heaven, sent his son, his one and only son, to die a sinner's uh, death for his enemies. While we were yet enemies, Christ laid down his life. Think about the pain that Christ himself encountered. The beating, the crowds screaming out for his death, crucify him. Being spit upon, slapped, mocked, beaten, hanging there on a lonely cross as the sky goes dark. Why? Because of our sin. Because of his love for us. Does he know your pain? Yeah, I think he does. Your struggle is not apart from God. He feels your burden. He sees your heavy load, and he knows you can't handle it on your own. It's more than you can bear. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are struggling. All you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put upon my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. I tell you, it's time for the Christian guilt trip to end. You aren't ranked on, on how much faith you have or how much faith you don't have because you're able to make something make it through something on your own. Your ability to cope with struggle doesn't determine how good of a Christian you are. See, some of you this morning are, are beat down, you're struggling, you're feeling, you feel like you're barely hanging on, and, and you don't want to admit it because you feel that people might look at you like less of a Christian. Because you think, because maybe you've been told that you should be able to handle it on your own. Please hear me on this. Jesus said, come to me, all who are struggling, all who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Your level of faith is not determined by your ability to handle your struggles on your own. Paul said, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Church, you're not in it alone. Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians, bear one another's burdens. This building, this body of believers, this place we call a church is a place where people can feel that they can come together, that they can share their burdens and not be condemned for them. In John 13, Jesus tells us, 
by this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another can I tell you part of loving one another is bearing one another's burdens some of you are beat down you're struggling you feel you, you feel like I can't hang on anymore say it again. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are struggling, struggling hard and, and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. You're carrying a load you weren't meant to carry. You've got a burden that was never intended for you. We can't do it on our own. We need Him. And we need each other. I want to pray for you this morning with every head bowed across this room, every eye closed.